0: You're about to listen to a segment of Sam Chan's Succession Transition event, which was hosted in late 2020. Sam organized this event to give leaders from around the world the chance to share their stories of effectively planning and transitioning their pastoral roles to a successor. Every pastor is a temporary. Are you prepared for your succession transition? Let's begin. I want to thank you for having me on the on uh, today, and I want to thank you for letting me be a part of this. Uh, you know, my admiration and love for you, my friendship with you, uh, my new respect for Martine. Uh, he knows where the best breakfast croissant is in the United States of America in uh, Florida, Seminole, Florida, our Sanford. And uh, getting to hear the bishops has been wonderful. Scott Wilson has been a young man that I've watched for years. And how impressive is he, Chris Raley? And uh, I just want to walk you through a little bit of my journey. Uh, Most of you don't know me on here. Uh, I got saved in the Dallas County Jail, never been in church in my life, spent eight and a half years of my life in prison, got out, became a janitor at a church, uh, eventually became the youth pastor, then traveled as an evangelist, and uh, married a beautiful woman. God gave us triplets. Uh, You'll meet Galen, one of the triplets, uh, here in just about four minutes. And uh, we went to Nashville in 1991 to pioneer church, and we ended up taking a church that was in foreclosure. And it was in bad shape. And over the years, God allowed us to lead that church. Uh, What I never thought about was succession. I was a traditional AG guy, just ride this thing out. But it dawned on me how many pastors build mega churches and then can't leave. And they end up the same size when they left that they were when they got there. And I really believe in seeking first the kingdom of God. And so when I realized in 2012 and 13 that the church had become stagnant after all those years, uh, Dr. Chan had come alongside of me and asked him to help me create a succession plan. And if you're saying, Mari, we want to do succession, first of all, get the coach, get the consultant. Don't try to do it by yourself. Uh, we met with our board of directors, created a, a profile, and Gannon ended up uh, being the number one choice. And so we brought him back. As the succession changed, Dr. Chan would call the plays. Hey, he needs to preach once a month. Hey, he needs to preach twice a month. Hey, you need to go do something. You need to quit going to staff meetings. So the coach was calling the plays. The hardest thing for the lead pastor to do is let another person call the plays because we call the plays. We're the leader. And that, that really challenges uh, your pride and your humility. How much pride did you need to get rid of and how much humility do you need to get a hold of? And the inner challenge, uh, and then you realize I'm leaving and the anxiety between where I'm going and what I'm leaving, that tension in that process uh, requires a deep inner work. Uh, and as I was going through that, I, I began to travel and I begin to find my go-to. Dr. Chan sitting in a hotel one morning uh, after he'd been consulting with us or preaching for us, uh, wrote on a piece of paper, he said, what's your go-to? What are you going to do when you leave here? Because if you don't develop a go-to that is compelling in your life, you won't ever be able to lead correctly and let go and let the next leader lead fully. And so I had to discover a go-to, and I did that with his program, Release Releaser Coaching and Consulting. Uh, but the most interesting thing in transition is the frog in the kettle is my son preached more and more and more what happened one Sunday after I came back and preached after I'd been gone, I don't know, a couple of months, I was not preaching maybe once a month at that point at best. And one of my old board members, a friend, not a negative guy, he said, you know, when you come back, it feels different. And it dawned on me that even though the transition plan was not supposed to happen until January of 2021, in 2018, the church had transitioned. We were in a board meeting and Dr. Chan was talking to my board of directors. And I thought I had a couple of years left, but somehow he cut the moment short. And one of my board members said, well, let's just vote right now that this ends in October and Galen's the pastor. Yep, he led my board into voting me out all of a sudden. But the truth is, the board was ready and the church was ready. And the challenge was, was I ready? And I think that's the challenge most lead pastors face. The next pastor has to pick up the pieces and lead on. And I probably didn't do as good as Scott but I picked a good person to follow me. My son, Galen, has done an incredible job and what God has done with him has been miraculous. Galen.
1: (laughs) I love you. Uh, I will say this. If you don't get anything out of this, if you want the uh, the dude to leave ahead of you, pay him. Uh, Money talks. And so just pay him. It's not hard. Uh, That's the number one wonder in the next stage of life is where's my source? And so whenever my finance people or whenever we like dad's check is a non-negotiable. I've sat down um, our finance and I've sat down our board and I said, listen, we made this commitment. And if any of you ever come to me and want to even conversate about this commitment, I will terminate you because I'm not paying him just to leave. I'm paying him for the 30 years of hell. I did not have to go through as the lead pastor of having to take an extra job while I pastor the church, having to deal with all the, you know, the moving of the ferns in the nineties and all the things like that. So, uh, if, and plus, if you stop paying it, he'll come back. So you got to pay. <laughs> you got to pay to play. Uh, my quick things, um, I'm not as seasoned as some of these guys, but I've been through three transitions. I was on staff at Calvary when Jadon George, uh, rest in heaven, he's uh, in the place that he always wanted to be. Um, so I didn't know how to get emotional about that, Dad. Uh, When Jadon transitioned to Ben Dagley. I was in Arizona at Omega when a pastor had an affair and transitioned, and then I was the successor in a transition. And so these are kind of the hot spots for me that I learned uh, in the pain points of transition. Uh, First is people. People leave, they lie, and they linger. And so people will leave you, people are going to lie to you, and people are going to linger. They're just going to stick around and see what's going to happen in the week you will have with you always. And so the people you don't expect to leave are going to leave the people you don't expect to stay are going to stay. And so what I've learned through all of this is you can't trust people. Uh, You can't listen to people. You just love people. And so I just loved them through the process. Always kept the door open if they want to leave. Uh, It's amazing how many people will leave and then kind of sneak in through the upper tiers and in the back, you know, kind of peeking to say like, Oh, it hasn't fallen apart. I can't find another home. And it leaves it easy for them to return because uh sheep or fickle so they leave a lot of linger but then ultimately you do have those people that surprise you that are the motivating tool that you have that supports you and that row the boat with you and the people like my finance guy if you had written down and dr shan knows this did not make the list of people that would have taken the next journey with me and when we got to the end of the transition he's one of my top executives right now he's been elevated to an executive uh because they just people surprise you um I didn't think we would get along. We get along great. I didn't think he had my back. He's one of my number one supporters. And it's just, it's just amazing. People are just an, an anomaly. Um, the second uh, in the honor struggle for me is it's really the honor struggle. Uh, and I wrote this down as the, the tension triangle of transition. So there's a tension triangle of transition. Um, I had to please my, my dad. I had to please my wife. Or I had to please the congregation. And so as the next leader coming in, I had the predecessor's voice, I had my wife's voice and I had the congregation voice. And there was this this herky-jerky, I didn't know where to turn because if I do this, I'm gonna either make dad mad or make wife mad or make church mad or him happy, her happy. And for some reason in ministry, uh, the predecessor, the spouse and the congregation are not perfectly in sync on the same page at all times. And so that honor struggle of who do I honor? And finally I just turned it into a pyramid and I'm like, I'm just going to do what Jesus tells me to do. Take everyone's uh, conversation into account and realize that at the end of the day, uh, the sheep don't lead the shepherd, the shepherd has to lead. And so it just, it really is that tension. So I listen to my wife, I listen to my dad. He doesn't think I listen to him all the time. I listen to him more than he thinks, Um, but not doing what he says is not, not listening. It's just not doing what he says. So, uh, But I listen and then I take everything into account. Then I try to listen to God and say, what's the best decision? So I don't, I'm not here to please him or my wife or the congregation. I'm here to please Jesus. And by pleasing Jesus, everyone will be blessed. He still gets a paycheck. My wife still gets this and the church gets to move uh, across the mission of God. And then lastly, my last thing is um, the getting a vision. I would say this to guys that are in transition. You cannot have a vision until you are the senior pastor. I tried to have a vision and what I thought was my vision was actually a prideful spirit that said, I can do it better. I can do it. Well, I would do this. And my, you know, and the reality is, you know, my phone, I can do it better too. I'm going to make shift sure thing with a pop socket. There we go. Um, I'm like, I can do it better. And what I realized is he, I've been praying for vision, uh, for over six months and hit a wall, got in my uh, car one day, drove towards Alabama. Um, four hours in Nashville, turned around, drove back after lunch, asking God for vision. He pulls me and he goes, you need to get a vision. And I'm like, I'm going to hurt you. How can you say get a vision? Do you not understand? I've been praying for vision for over six months. And I, and I'm like, I go, okay. So I called a 24 hour prayer for the church, uh, for me <laughs> and they didn't know it. And we had 24 hour prayers and I sat in the auditorium with a notebook and I just asked God and God began to pour vision out. And it dawned on me. I said, God, why are you giving me vision now? He said, because the vision gatekeeper of the house is the senior pastor, and he has finally given you the authority to get a vision. And until he said, it's time for you to get a vision, I've been hitting a spiritual wall. And when he said, hey, it's time for you to get a vision, I finally broke through to the heavens because it dawned on me, until you are the pastor, you will not carry a vision. You will carry a theory. You will carry a, carry a thought process. Uh, you may carry a prideful arrogance of this is what I've seen in other places that I'll hodgepodge and Frankenstein together for my church. But a true vision comes from God to the person that is the vision keeper for the church. And so I think what's hard for me was that process of getting a vision until he said so and recognizing the seat. And probably what's hard for him is when I have a vision is he's going crud because this has got to be a pain point. I don't know, but I don't look forward to this. There will be a day that God stops speaking to me on behalf of Cornerstone. Years. I can't imagine 27 years of God saying, do this, do this for this church. And now you're going, wait, why can't I hear what's that? I can think, I can theorize, and I can think I can do it better. I can think I can do it this way and I can theorize around it. But at the end of the day, I can't have that download. And so that has been the biggest struggle for me is knowing this is the next place It violates either my dad, it may violate my wife, or it violates the congregation because they're comfortable with something. And yet I've got to go to the top and make that vision move because that's what I feel like God is speaking. And do we trust God? Do I trust God enough to make the different move for Cornerstone? Does dad trust God enough to trust me that I'm, you know, not just copying something? Um, And does my wife trust me? Um, Which there's my things, but that's it. That's all I got. Love y'all.